0: Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. So today, uh, we have an interview we conducted uh, a little bit back with uh, Robert Carlson from Roglin Studios, who's a fantastic artist who does a bunch of box arts and uh miniatures or kickstarters etc uh it was really great talking to him and we really appreciate him taking the time and we're not going to do any real big fluff or filler for this we're just going to go straight into the interview so without further ado robert carlson of roglin studios welcome to the show we're so glad to have you on thank you very much glad to be here i apologize for the delays in getting you on it just seemed like uh every time we turned around there was a show or you know chaos and on my world <laughs> so but thank you for your patience
1: no worries life always getting between stuff like this so no worries at
0: all absolutely and so well um uh, you know let's start out uh give our listeners a little bit of your origin story How how you got into this hobby uh yeah, it was a hobby. It's not any long anymore, but
1: uh, actually I used to paint a little bit when I was uh, probably 12, 13 around that age. I I painted uh, maybe a year nothing important with some friends. And then um, I think it was 2010 I actually stumbled across those in my attic in a, a box and my oldest uh, son was just a baby then and i was a little bit bored to be honest we it was summertime and i also had seen these uh, space marines in a uh, you know local uh, toy uh, shop or yeah and so i just connected it to and i was thinking to myself maybe this could be fun to just try again and see where it's going so I did that. And since then I I couldn't stop, you know, it was, you know, I got really into it. And when I started to Google stuff, because when I painted, when I was a kid, there was no internet, you know? So at this time I just noticed that this world has exploded, you know, a lot of good painters. And I was so inspired since, since then I've just been painting basically.
0: Oh, fantastic yeah. you, you know that's uh a, a a lot of people take those breaks you know what i mean i did i i did and i would say most of our guests have so that's a, totally it, it's good to hear that we're in we're yeah. in good company you know <laughs> yeah sure. sure so what what kind of made of like you, you said you kind of fell in love with and got really into it what um were there any artists or was there anything in particular that caused you to say, you know what, I want to I, I paint like that or paint like take my painting to the next level?
1: Well, at the time, I noticed some people uh, did uh, tutorials on YouTube, mm-hmm. but the quality at the time was not so good, so you could actually not see very well what they did. But I tried to copy and I tried to learn just by watching some of those videos. And then uh, for some reason, I stumbled across Miniature Mentor, which is a a site with more professional type of recordings of artists who paint miniatures. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but... Um, I've heard of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, there was not so many artists who had done the recordings. But I downloaded a couple of those, and most of them were from France uh, at the time. So um, around 2010, I think the, the French way of painting still was, was going to an end a little bit. But at the same time, it was still active. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the the French way. It's mostly you paint a lot with glazes, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I, I learned the hard way because today mm-hmm. we don't paint with glazes in the same way as they did in in 2005, 2010. So. Uh, but it was great fun to see other guys paint. You know, I was super inspired. Uh, I think it's the best way to learn is to watch other, especially in the beginning to see and get the fundamental things going, a um, basic technique and so on. And later when you, you got that down, you can experiment, try to, um, elaborate on, you know, a higher level, more complex way of thinking in terms of atmosphere and light
0: shadows and
1: and play with colors and stuff like that.
0: What was there a a specific technique that you found to be uh, challenging or um, anything along those lines? Well, well, I think I, I would, I have probably gone over them
1: all. Uh <laughs> I think a few years later Ben Comets did his thing with the loaded brush right and I, it was a very cool thing to try out and to master uh but I think today everything is a mishmash of uh, everything and I've learned to use them in the right way when I need it basically I just adapt without thinking about it too much different areas different shapes needs sometimes different techniques so um, and to answer your question I think uh, when I started it was all about learning how to blend because I, I didn't understand how these guys could get so fantastic results that I saw in the photos but uh, because I couldn't do it myself, so it was very frustrating. I think the the two or three first years of my painting was just, you know, a lot of struggle. Mm-hmm. I also remember I was so frustrating, uh, frustrated when I, I remember it was uh, a space marine, probably from uh, the green ones. What um, something dark angel,
0: dark. I think. Yeah. yeah, dark angels. Yep.
1: Yeah, I remember I I sat down and tried to uh, paint one of those and I had no idea about uh, the value of the colors or anything. I just wanted to have a great result and I didn't uh, know actually what I was doing. But in the end, I threw it out from my balcony because (laughs) because (laughs) I I wasn't happy with the result at all. So yeah, you know, frustration comes and goes, I,
0: I guess. I w- I w- I'm glad I don't have a balcony because I'm sure I would have a pile <laughs> of miniatures outside at some point. Yeah. It, it, it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's down, down in the basement, I can't really do much harm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, excellent. Um, so uh, one of the things I, I, I love talking to artists about is kind of how... Um, they start the process of painting a miniature now I guess first maybe let's let's kind of tackle the world of box art because I noticed that you do uh, an awful lot of box art right now you have stuff out for the kick for Kickstarter for ancient blood uh, which is a I, I don't know if it's Kickstarter or not but it's a campaign because so many different campaign websites now but um, first of all how did you get into get into doing box art
1: uh... For me, the the journey from 2010, uh, it was pretty natural, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was, I don't know, when I was a kid, I was always amazed and interested in fantasy art. Basically, I was, I, I remember I went to the library and just watched, you know, looked into books like. The Tolkien Bestiarium, I think it was called. You know, great illustrations there. Uh, There was a book that I remember I looked a lot in, which was called Monster, The Big Monster Book or something. Probably something for role-playing. And so I guess in my head I laid down a pretty good foundation, even though I was not aware of it. Because when I started to paint miniatures, the journey was pretty straightforward. You know, I opened a lot of doors. People got connected with me, wanted to sponsor me uh, with different materials so I don't need to buy colors or brushes or anything anymore. And, um, you know, I I can tell you a short story about when I got my first commission, which, which was probably in 2013 or something, uh, it was a private person from an a country in asia can't remember really which one, but <laughs> he he wanted me to paint like a squad of of some kind of marines and at that time, I just felt jesus Christ to paint five miniatures in this basically the same way for me it felt like just slavery at <laughs> at that time <laughs> uh I, I didn't enjoy it at all to be honest. So mm-hmm. I just left that uh, with quite bad feeling, but after a while, I guess the right doors opened up, and you know more interesting, uh, how do you say, proposals mm-hmm. um, entered me. So you know now. I enjoy it a lot, you know, but it's a, a qu- quite a hard balance to balance your own projects with the commission work because I enjoy my own projects more, of course. Right. But, but I guess it has been a long journey trying to find the balance. And today I'm, I'm at the level where I actually also can say no to people who asked me to paint for them because it has to have some kind of meaning to me, you know, some interesting miniatures or a backstory or, you know, good sculpts, you know?
0: Right. Right. And, you know, I, I, I learned something this past year too with last year was my first year of commission painting. And I went to do like kind of an inventory of everything I painted all year and had the realization that, 80% of the stuff I painted left my house. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean? I, it was like, oh man, <laughs> you know, that kind of actually put things in perspective for me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I enjoy that. I feel like, you know, and I just uh, gave, uh, I, I just finished a commission from last year for uh, Smog from Forge World, which is a massive model. And really? I didn't really want, I didn't want to hand that over, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You spend so much time and heart into it and it feels like you you're losing a little bit of yourself, I guess.
0: I know the feeling though. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Uh, so now, when you when when somebody comes to you and they're like, "Hey, you know," for example, like the, this uh, campaign that's out there for Ancient Blood, and they're saying, "We want you to paint some figures for us." Now, do you, how do you kind of approach those projects? Uh, it's a little bit different
1: because I've I've painted several games over the years for Cool Mini or not, um, and uh, I think it started you know, seven years ago or something. And it's all based, especially for games, it's based on artwork. Mm. Uh, they have already decided uh, exactly how they want the miniatures to look, uh, what feeling they are looking for. So they are sending me all the art and I have, basically I have to copy what I see in the pictures. And, and the art is usually made by very respected artists like Adrian Smith or Paul Bonner or, you know, the guys. Uh, so right. I learn a lot as well. And it's very interesting. I have a lot of respect for the art. So I just try to do it the best of, as I can. But on the other hand, some smaller companies or for a box art, maybe there is no art available and they just trust me uh, to do a good job. And maybe I, you know, will throw a couple of work in progress pictures and just get, you know, so they see what, what way I'm heading. And that way they also sometimes have an idea or they are just fully trusting what I'm doing. So I think mm-hmm. it can be one or the other way.
0: So this is a question that always comes to my mind when, and I know I apologize for it not being in what I present, sent uh, sent you ahead of time. Um, So when you're, when you're painting like box art for a game, um, is it the goal to paint them as absolutely best as you can? Or is there kind of a ground that you want to reach? Because I know that there's a discussion about you know, people pick up amazing box art and go, "Oh wow, I could never paint that way," mm. and get mm. discouraged. Or do you do like or on the other side of it, people say, "Oh my God, I want to try to paint that way." So is there a, a way that you try to paint that maybe is in the middle ground, or um, do you just kind of have at it? I don't know if I'm making sense at what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying. And I could actually divide that into two questions. The first one would be how to develop a decent level without, you know, it's about your time. It's my time. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. it's money. Time is money. And so I can't spend, uh, you know, too much time on a a, a gaming miniature, if you understand what I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. If someone sends me a game with 50, 60 miniatures, you have to think over what you're going to do, how you're going to spend that time. And uh, so over over the years, I've actually learned how to, uh, how do you say, spend your time in a quality way without losing quality on the paint job, if you know you can actually paint to a level which on the photos will look, you know, amazing for a gaming miniature. Mm. But if it was for a competition, for example, then it would require more hours basically. So I, I guess I've learned over the years that how to tackle the miniatures without losing quality and it feels great leaving now. I said to myself, after eight hours I have to leave this one. And usually it works. You know, I just have to set a time frame for every miniature. So and usually mm-hmm. there is a deadline included in this. So right. it's <laughs> it can mm-hmm. be stressful.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Did I answer your question? I can't <laughs> I can't remember exactly. Um,
0: yeah, you said you were breaking it down in two parts. The first is kind of this the, the ah, process, yes. and then the and then the second part. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure because you didn't get to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. You you asked me about box art. How people mm-hmm. feel when they actually see something, and right. they get a little bit, yeah, you know, insecure. If it's, is it any idea to even buy this miniature because the box art is so amazing. That was your question, I think.
0: Perfect, yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, all right. Yeah, to be honest, I can feel that myself. (laughs) Even today, when I see a box art, to me, it's like, it's already done. You know, I can't do anything. You know, I can do my own version, but um, it's a little bit hard to explain. I think, especially today, when people are doing you know, miniatures after art. For example, Paul Bonner is an excellent example when someone copied he copied his uh, paintings. And the person doing the box art just copied the painting as well. And then if you're not sensitive enough, you can just make the viewer, oh, it's... You know, the original is the original. It's very hard to copy Mona Lisa without to add something to the story without destroying. You know, I, I think you know what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So I think that it's could be a problem uh, if you are, has a more complex mind when it when you when it comes to miniature painting, or if you have a sense of uh, how to to paint on a higher level.
0: Yeah, that that's always a question I always wonder too, you know, if you see somebody do something that's, a, you know, like uh, the Carol, Carol Ken and I of uh, box art for young miniatures, yeah. you're kind of like, alright, well, he seemed to kind of master that one, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I think in, in some way you have to reset your mind and Uh, start to paint with a uh, you know a fresh mind so you don't get stuck looking at the box art in your process because then you will just be disappointed so uh, I guess get inspired by the box art by the miniature but then leave it don't try to copy anything because Kirill's artwork
0: is impossible to (laughs) you know get close to basically Right. Sure. So now let's, uh, let's talk more about kind of your personal projects. Um, kind of, how does it like, you know, some people, uh, with inspiration, you know, they see a mini they like, they buy it later on, they get inspired and, and do something with it. Kind of, how does it work for you? Is it miniature driven? Is it idea driven? And then you go search for the miniature. Um, how does it kind of work? Uh, for me, I think it's a
1: feeling, it's a um, when I see a miniature, uh, I know uh, just by looking at it that it's my taste and I think it looks, you know, uh, I don't know the words in English, but it feels like it's just talking to me, uh, paint mm-hmm. me, you know. and sometimes it can be uh, a little bit uh, how do you say deceived <laughs> <laughs> uh, because when i actually started painting it was not what i expected at all that can all i think that's when the miniatures end up in your what do you say your shelf of shame or something like that <laughs> yep.
0: Right. Yep. yeah
1: <laughs> but in general uh i don't know if it's just a miniature that is already you know done and you, you you're you not gonna change it you know it's i think the atmosphere and the colors and you know just the idea to uh, that drives me to so i I actually can understand before i start to paint how good it it could look if i manage to get through the project that's something that drives me through a lot, you know of miniatures, because I get inspired by myself if if I have a good workflow and I'm happy with with the result, then you know i'm I'm happy inspired, and also manage to go through the project.
0: Huh. that's all that's actually a good way of looking at it, that you kind of inspire yourself by visions in your head and seeing where it can go etc that's that that is uh that that is the first time i've heard somebody phrase it that way i I, i'm impressed thank you
1: Mm, good but Uh, then again if you are going over to certain box arts then you can get a little bit disappointed so (laughs) i guess you have to be careful
0: true right yeah there's always that balance it seems that you got to find uh Find the inspiration and then and run off on your own, you know, and follow follow your own journey. So then yeah. what type of, what type of scale is your favorite scale? Are you like, like right now I've really gotten in a 75 millimeter figures so kind of really enjoy painting that canvas, but are you a more of a bus person? Do you enjoy, like, if you pick up something for your own own pleasure or your own project, where do you kind of let go? Uh, I'm not sure, I think I'm very
1: comfortable in 75. Um, Even though I've painted probably most miniatures in my life in like 32 millimeter scale because of all the games I've painted. Um, So, but you know, I think most things is pretty comfortable to be honest. It's just a little bit different and takes I would say 28 millimeter is the hardest for me because it takes so much focus on such a small details and, and also about the volumes in a female face on a 28 millimeter. It just kills me, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they kill me on all, all scales, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, you uh, know, I, I also found as I'm getting older, it, it's easier to see the 75 millimeter figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so now, do you? You know, I, there are a lot of different uh, artists out there that um, they kind of get set in a color palette, and you kind of can uh, recognize their work from uh, recognize their work from it. Is there like, is there kind of a how do you choose your colors and you know what what do you typically like to represent?
1: Okay, um for me I uh, I guess as a lot of other miniature painters, we love colors and uh, it, it's an a tough balance sometimes to you know, understand how much color you you're gonna put into the miniature. I mean, desaturated or saturated. And for me, it's a balance um, because I don't paint uh, with just light to get attention. I, I paint with a lot of color, and where I put more color, uh, the attention of the viewer will go to that area, basically. And um, so, how I start sometimes i just start because from my experience over the years i know what colors works for me Mm -hmm. and so i have my go-to colors that that always work so if i'm not painting anything complex for for a a game that i have uh, i don't have to follow any art I, i probably just go through the colors I know works for me as fast as possible. But to get inspiration for a special project, which is totally open and I have nothing to follow, I actually like to um, look a lot at artists that I admire. For example, Broom is one of my favorite painter and also Paul Bonner, Adrian Smith, Patrick Jones, And I have a few books from them, which I always scatter through to just get inspiration because they they have a fantastic uh, sense of colors. So I I can get inspired by that. Um, I just look up something that I like and I try to uh, do something similar. And in the end, usually it doesn't look... It was not my purpose, and it doesn't look like what they did anyway, because along the journey of painting the miniature, I paint like me. I don't try to paint like Broom or anyone like that. It's just for inspiration. So that's usually what I do. Yeah.
0: Nice nice, and so i mean i I guess uh, one of the things I also pick on artists about is I like to ask what kind of part of the process is their favorite um do you like them the modeling side, the build side or um the the painting side mhm uh
1: i I would say I'm a pure painter more or less because that's that was. Um, you know, I had phases where I tried to model and I tried to build more complex bases and stuff. But to be honest, I don't, in, I didn't enjoy it so much. So, and since my career as a painter was to be a professional one, or it it happened, and I um, enjoyed it, I didn't have time to actually. Go into other subjects too much, like sculpting, or but I am familiar with it. And sometimes, if something is needed or something is missing, or on a miniature, I will sculpt it, no problem. But to sculpt from scratch a a bust or anything, it's not my thing at the moment. Maybe, maybe in five or ten years, I have no idea. Uh, so I would say painter.
0: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. That's okay. No, I'm right there with you. I'm not, I, I, I I hate filling gaps, let alone doing any form of sculpting, you know? (laughs) So I'm, I'm, I'm right there Mm -hmm. with you. Uh, Ah, okay. So, um, a new thing that I have been asking artists is, uh, asking them kind of, uh, what is something when you look at your artwork that you would like to improve upon? Hmm. Uh,
1: I don't think I have a a special thing that I would like to improve. I just want to improve the overall, uh, painting. And Mm -hmm. I know by experience that I am doing that all the time because always when I had a year of painting and I look back, I can see. A lot of improvement, and it has been like that since I started. Basically, so I I built a trust for myself that this is the way, and um, so I I never sit down. I never sat down to just decide. Yeah, I'm gonna get better and non-metallic. Let's do that for for a month, or I I have to paint skin better or I have to paint leather or something like that never occurred to me it was just something that I got simultaneously better at along my journey basically I think mm. so I, I want to improve more and more but I don't have a, a specific thought in mind you know for example my I would say my weakest thing is freehand and but I don't need it in my work and I'm not I'm not the type of guy who want to spend uh let's say twenty five hours on a miniature and then twenty-five hours on uh freehand on a cloak because it doesn't give me the satisfaction, basically. Uh it doesn't add anything to my you know happy place when I'm painting so I guess a, a lack of interest but <laughs> uh, and I think also it's a trending thing you know mm-hmm. I see a lot of people not a lot of people but I see people online social media that has amazing freehand skills but right. the miniature itself it's mediocre <laughs> and I really <laughs> hate that that's to me it's like y- you didn't you focus on the total wrong things, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I know that a lot of people, uh, when they say do freehand that they say do, uh, paint, paint the entirety of the miniature first and then do the freehand. And so get the, you know, get all that basic stuff out of the way. But actually I've noticed that I, I, I have noticed that too, where mm. the, the freehand on a cloak is amazing. And then you look at the face and you're like, well, it's kind of flat. I mean, you know, could have spent more time there hmm. you know <laughs> yeah and then of course there are people that sure. do it all and well like, i do oh. <laughs> go ahead yeah sure
1: kirill for example
0: sure true yes yep. uh,
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i of course i do if if the, the work requires it i do a tattoo or some uh, you know good mm-hmm. fine work on small parts but to spend too much time like a whole cloak um with a three-dimensional type of canvas painting uh, it's not my cup of tea
0: right i totally i i can i can respect that for sure you know and it's a lot of times uh freehand should be used to accent not dominate you know like it should like a tattoo on an arm is cool can add to the story but you yeah, know, yeah it's a sure. Full full right. body tattoo. You're like, eh, you know. Now you're lost. Uh, now you're losing shapes and volumes and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, uh, Francesco Farabi, maybe you're familiar with him, Italian indeed. painter. Yeah, mm-hmm. he uh, told me once, and I've stuck to that. If the uh, freehand doesn't add, uh, just as you said, add to the story or the atmosphere, it has no value.
0: It's pointless. Exactly. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. So, do you want to? Do you want to try out our lightning round? <laughs> I'm not All sure right. how. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the show, but one of the things that we like to do is um, take some questions and just ask them and get a quick gut reaction from our artists that join us, uh, just to see where where they fall on some things. Okay. Okay. Sure. All right. So the first question is: Do you take care of your brushes? Uh, no, because I'm
1: sponsored. So, I, <laughs> uh, so I, I just throw them. To be honest, but nice. but if I if I see it can be saved by a small amount of energy, I do that. But if it's gone too
0: far, I just throw them away. Nice. And so for a personal project, what is the next miniature you want to paint?
1: uh i i want to keep that a secret for okay. now but i, ha- actually I have actually have a a special project which uh, is sculpted for me personally uh based upon a uh, a very old painting
0: nice very cool very cool I, and i won't press for that anymore all right so I'm sure this is going to be affected by the sponsorship question, but (laughs) the gods of the brush descendants say you can only paint with one brush and what's uh, one type of paintbrush. What brush would it be and what size?
1: All right. Uh, Then it would be Da Vinci Miniature Maestro number 70 and size four.
0: Nice. Yeah. What do you like about that brush?
1: For me, it's has a, a wide, uh, body, uh, mm. which can, uh, pick up a lot of paint, but still a super sharp point, uh, mm. It just works for everything. Wide strokes, models, 28 millimeters or 90. I, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I can paint ice on a small 28 millimeters
0: with this one. Oh, nice. It's Fantastic. I, I'm gonna have to check those out for sure.
1: Since Da Vinci is sponsoring me, we decided to uh, make a brush with my uh, intempre- interpretations, uh, uh-huh. my wishes, uh, how I wanted my uh, dream brush to be. So actually, the Miniature Maestro is a cooperation between me and Da Vinci.
0: Nice, that's very yeah. cool. Can you get those on the Da Vinci, like a Da Vinci web store, or?
1: uh i think you can check them out on their web store but i think they have links to where you can buy them depending on which part of the world you're in
0: right and yeah. and we're struggling a little bit here in the u.s right now there's some import stuff on sable that that's going down so like you know all the other brands like raphael rosemary and company windsor newton are becoming harder and harder to get um and so yeah I'm going to have to okay. definitely take a I'm going to have to take a look at that cuz uh yeah I'm all, I'm always down for some new brushes. <laughs> I like mm, playing I like cool, playing with yeah. toys. Um we're sure. Um then so the next question in a lightning round would be non-metallic metal or true metallic metal and why?
1: Uh I would say non-metallic because for me I feel I have more freedom to uh to play around and it looks more Natural in the fantasy setting than
0: true metallic. Um, Yeah. That's fantastic. And so now, kind of a silly question. When was the last time you mixed up your painting water and your drinking cup?
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't think I ever did that, to be honest, because my drinking, no, (laughs) my painting cup is from like an old uh, pickle jar or. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you, yeah, from the grocery store. So it doesn't feel, and it's very, very dirty. I've (laughs) used it for like five years, so I would never mix those.
0: (laughs) Nice. How often do you change the water in it? Uh, When it's dirty enough. (laughs) enough. (laughs) Yeah, but actually when it's
1: a little bit, um when you can't see through it at all. It's just starting to get up on the walls on the mm-hmm. on the glass, you know.
0: Nice, nice. So what do you prefer to drink when you paint? Uh I will probably it's just water and coffee,
1: I would water. say. Yeah, Water,
0: coffee. Very cool. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for being definitely a part of our our little lightning round. It's just fun, a fun little get to know you kind of questions for the podcast for our podcast listeners. So the the motto of our podcast is better, braver, happier painters. Uh, is there some advice that you could give our our listeners as they continue their journeys? I, I think I
1: actually had this discussion. I will go a little bit deeper into it with uh, some friends. And I I think it has to do with your personality a lot. How much you actually can devote into this. Because it's mostly about time and patience to get better, I would say. Um, You have to be curious. You have to uh, know a little bit or at least try to understand. What you what you like and go for that. Now, if you have no idea what you like or what you're aiming for, it's impossible. So get good reference pictures of both of an overall artist that you like uh, the paintings from, and also get reference pictures of certain elements like leather, metal, skin, hair, and dig into that and really try to copy what you see don't look, I mean, you can get inspired by great painted miniatures online, but don't look at those as a first reference. Just have a look at real hair. How how does the shadows and light and colors interact with each other on a female, you know, hair strand in the sun? You know, it's, it's pretty amazing, you know. So that would be my greatest tip to Suck in as much as possible. You know, go to workshop if there's a great artist in your hometown. Look at art. Just Google around. Spend some time on on uh, on filling your folders on the computer with great
0: references. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I've been printing. Uh, I, my wall is covered with photos. <laughs> I kind of. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I. If I put them on a computer, I'll never bring them up again Uh, um so i just if i find pictures i just kind of print them out and put them all over the place uh drives my wife crazy for sure um what was what do you think is the best piece of advice that another painter has given you uh i think i haven't gone to too many workshops unfortunately
1: i went to a couple way back when i started (laughs) and i think i picked up a few things from everyone for me as a person it I, I, I couldn't you know take one painter's concept and try to do that fully for some reason it didn't work for me so I just pick up certain elements that make sense to me as a person in my head uh, To so I can because anyone if I, I've done a workshop with Kirill for example or Francesco as well also, Jesus Martin from Nocturna Models. I think those three actually is the ones I've taken lessons from. And to, you know, get into Kirill's head and try to copy what he is doing because his journey has been totally different from mine, probably, or Francesco's mine. So for me, it was impossible to take their concept. And translate that totally into mine. So I have to compromise because when I was taking lessons from Kirill, my own style and development was so fully for me. So it was very hard to take someone else's methods and just okay, let's paint like Kirill now. It didn't work for me. So it was very frustrating. It was like a little bit like starting over. Right. Right, that makes so, sense. Yeah, so I actually just pick what comes naturally for
0: me uh, from everyone. Well, appreciate it. Do you want to uh, tell our listeners where they can find you?
1: Um, I'm not a super enthusiast about social media. I'm not so super active, but I have my Facebook page. Uh, I guess you can search for Rogland Studios. Mm -hmm. And we'll put active
0: links. Uh, When we post the episode, we'll put links to it for you. Okay, thanks.
1: Uh, And uh, I'm mostly active
0: on Facebook. I
1: have an Instagram account, but if I'm putting something there, it will be the same post
0: as on Facebook, probably. So that's it, I think. Yeah. Okay, so Roglin Studios on Facebook is probably the best place to find you.
1: Yeah, there you can see what I'm working on, some, uh, you know, work in progress pictures, you know, workshops, if there's any, or, you know, getting contact for private coaching or whatever you like. I also try to answer people's questions and stuff.
0: Okay, so that's okay. You do do private coaching. And I know, also noticed that you have a seminar coming up or workshop in February, right? Yes, in Budapest. In Budapest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So those are definitely if you're in Europe or if you want to go from the US to Europe to, to, to go to a show uh, go to a workshop, perfect. You know, we'll we'll make sure that all that we have as much information available for our listeners as possible. Great. Thank you. Robert, it's really been fantastic to talk to you. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Dan and I would like to thank Robert Carlson from Roglin Studios for joining us today. What a fantastic interview, and we really appreciate you sharing your hobby journey with us. We certainly learned a lot. You could follow Robert on Facebook at Roglin Studios. He does have uh, an Instagram account, but after listening to the interview, we know that most of his stuff goes on the Facebook. So that's what we will point you in the right direction towards that. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Listening to Paint Dry, as well as on Twitter at Dry Listening. You can also send us an email at Listening to Paint Try at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing, other show ideas, or we just let us know what you're working on. We'd love to see your progress. Also, you can like, subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts from, and if you leave us a, nice, a good review, we would greatly appreciate it. So take your time, be patient, and be yourself as you become a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Try with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.